Uh, my name is Don Schwer, and uh, I'd like to welcome you to our healthcare podcast, where healthcare leaders across the industry share their personal stories and their perspectives on today's top healthcare challenges. And with me today is Ron Slowinski, Senior Advisor to Venture Investors Group. And uh, Ron is a true leader within healthcare. He has held a number of senior leadership positions, as well as the one he's is in right now, including University of Wisconsin President, CEO, SVP, and COO of UW Hospitals and Clinics, and also VP Operations at Dartmouth Hitchcock Medical Center. And um, I've known Ron for a number of years, both personally and professionally, and it's always a pleasure to talk with Ron, and it's an honor to have him on the podcast. And Ron, thanks so much for joining us. It's my pleasure, Don. Thanks so much for your kind words. Well, Rod, tell us a little bit about what you're doing today. Well, um, I'm formally retired from uh, healthcare operations, where I spent the bulk of my 38 years in uh, uh, healthcare leadership uh, roles. Um, but I've stayed very engaged in sort of the innovation and uh, startup side of the business. Um, as you pointed out, I'm a senior advisor to Venture Investors, which is a uh, um, investment partnership that's focused on innovative healthcare-related technology startups. I also serve as a reviewer for the National Science Foundation and the National Institutes of Health in Washington, looking at um, grant applications for smart connected health, looking for breakthroughs in um, uh, research ideas that can uh, uh, move the bar in terms of um, healthcare effectiveness uh, through the communities that we serve. So I'm engaged both in the uh, uh, pursuit of innovative new technologies and also in um, trying to see those technologies applied uh, in a community setting so that it benefits the maximum population that's out there. Is there any reason? On the side, I've, I've managed to also invest in a couple of these startups myself um, and I'm watching with bated breath to see how they do. It's a very difficult proposition bringing uh, a new technology startup in healthcare to fruition to see it actually uh, uh, come into, into play. What, what do you look for, Ron, with startup companies and those that you're entering into? What uh, really piqued your interest there? You know, I had the good fortune of working with a number of really um, innovative uh, physicians at UW Health uh, in Madison that um, had the right perspective on um, healthcare technology, and that is not just coming up with different ways of doing things, but trying to actually move the bar so that um, patient care was improved, health outcomes were improved, and costs were reduced. Um, and so the kind of things that uh, venture investors and that I'm personally interested in are um, ideas and companies that have a practical use and practical application are just not trying to carve out a niche in the marketplace, but are actually trying to change the fundamental way that healthcare is delivered for the better. Um, simpler, faster, better, cheaper. Uh, those would be the, the watchwords. And certainly during times like this, you're seeing a lot of um, opportunity for that. Uh, for instance, we've looked at a number of uh, laboratory companies that have uh, improved testing regimens uh, and are able to do quicker turnarounds, et cetera. So whatever the challenges uh, that exist in healthcare, 
they provide windows of opportunities that clearly innovative thinkers can um, bring ideas to bear at. Are they early stage at this point, meaning that they are in development, or are they already in use at any hospitals or within the healthcare sector? Both. Too? I think both. I think that there's a, um, there's a, a, a smaller amount of actual um, greenfield investing and just uh, interesting ideas that may come to fruition. Um, when you're talking about investor money, they're more interested in things that are ready to move into broad-scale uh, utilization and distribution. So it's a little bit of both but with the predominant work happening in areas where people have already made it through sort of the um, proof-of-concept stages and are now really trying to develop uh, business models that have application in a real-world setting. Mm-hmm. Exciting. And healthcare is a wide open space right now. So there's a lot of opportunity there. There's I, a lot of money in healthcare and there's a lot of opportunity in healthcare. And I think harnessing these ideas to try to um, drive out complexity and, and create uh, a much more straightforward, focused um, care model, something that can help integrate what has traditionally been a fabulously fragmented healthcare delivery system. Those are the things that really get uh, people's attention. Yeah. Well, you've had a lot of experience within the provider market uh, prior to this role. Um, as indicated, you were the president and CEO of UW Hospital and Clinics. And uh, boy, I tell you what, the provider market right now is in the center of the storm, especially with COVID. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, how you managed that uh, complex environment, if you will, and help uh, move UW forward? Well, you know, it's, uh, as you pointed out, and as you know from your own career, it's a constantly evolving equation. I think at UW, our perspective, rightly so, was we felt that there was a population cohort that we were responsible for, and that our challenge was to build an appropriate system of care that included everything from primary care through quaternary care uh, in an appropriate scale for that population and at, at a high value proposition. What was unique about UW Health is we owned our own insurance company, an HMO um, that's now called Quartz, used to be called Unity Health, um, that has over 350,000 members and that primarily receive their care within the UW Health system, but received it at all kinds of different locations from a community hospital setting, physician office setting, to an academic tertiary uh, medical center setting. And, you know, our system perspective was, why are we building the system? Is it just scale for scale's sake, or is it scale so that we can bring needed services closer to the patient and be more effective in the management of their care? Part of that was, again, a huge challenge in healthcare in general is uh, medical um, information management. And it's how do you manage medical information across such a diverse and set of um, provider sites with a population that uh, you're going to have responsibility for literally cradle to grave. 
And so it, it both pre- created opportunities, but challenges as well, because what really worked in an academic uh, medical center setting sometimes was not appropriate in a community hospital setting. But at UW, we strove to find that balance uh, between the big and the complex and the simple and straightforward and accessible uh, out in the community. Probably the biggest factor in making that work is getting the, the right team of people together with the right perspective. Our insurance executives were absolutely vested in seeing that the best possible technology and healthcare services were provided, not just in pinching a dollar. Our medical directors were cognizant of the impact on the insurance product as well as the impact on the inpatient facility and outpatient facilities and the patient care experience. And our and our individual care providers all understood that we as a system held the risk for these patients um, and therefore more was not just better, better was better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and trying to build that kind of culture, I think, was what allowed us to grow our operations from what was a $1.3 billion academic medical center to uh, almost $3.75 billion fully integrated healthcare system. Do you miss that environment, Ron? You know, I do sometimes. I like the deal making and I like the uh, uh, the ability to move into a community setting and hear the different perspectives of what people are trying to accomplish and, and then um, engage in the conversation about how to best integrate that. Uh, that's fun because it's um, involved people that are like-minded trying to solve problems. I was kidding with my wife the other day. I said, there's, when you have the right team, there's no problem that's too difficult uh, to solve because you'll figure it out uh, with the right team in place. And that's fun to do. Uh, I think sometimes in the venture world and the startup world, it's a little lonelier. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of guardedness and a lot of uh, worry about sharing too much information. Um Again, the uh, and then that's offset, I think, a little bit with the grant review stuff where everything is very transparent. People are very uh, wonderful and open about trying to get more input right. into their ideas. But, yeah, I miss it sometimes. I don't miss the day-to-day gut-wrenching tension yeah. <laughs> of running hospital operations. That's kind of nice not to, to do that on a day-to-day basis. But I, I do like the system. I do miss the system building part of it. Yeah, I, I uh, from personal experience with you, Ron, I, I know you're a very engaging individual, one that um, brings in participation, collaborative, and uh, those are my perspectives on on some of the fine qualities you have. But I, I'd like to hear from you. What, what do you attribute? I mean, you've been through some very large positions in healthcare, um, and what do you attribute some of your success to? And what could you share a podcast listener if they want to follow a path that's similar to yours. It's always good to have good luck. There's no question <laughs> that. yeah, that's for sure. Uh, but you know, a lot of it is just being interested in what's next, not being sort of don't have a bunker mentality or a protective mentality of having a real interest in what other people are thinking and saying and being willing to learn. Um, what is we were talking the other day, one of the things that's so disappointing about the political process in this country and others is there's this feeling that uh, you're supposed to have all the answers all the time. 
And if you said something that was untowards 10 years ago, how dare you? Well, you're a different person 10 years ago. You're a different person 10 days ago. And if you're a learning individual and you approach your career saying, there's so much for me to learn and there's so many people out there that are willing to teach me, I just have to unlock that store of knowledge and be willing to assimilate it and process it. Then I think that uh, you will be um, following the right stars, you know, the right North stars, and you'll be heading in the directions that really make sense to you. You know, I think in my career, um, I was, I've always been willing to consider other people's points of view and that that's helped me sharpen my own view and my own uh, confidence in terms of how to distill information. But it's also important to understand when, when you're headed in a pathway that isn't going to take you anywhere. And mm-hmm. if you end up on the wrong team or with people that have the wrong motivation and or a board that is driving you in a direction that um, is not in sort of sync with your core principles and your uh, integrity, then then you have to recognize that and be willing to uh, leave. Uh, and I think that uh, that's been an important part of my career too, is knowing when uh, the gig is up and it's time to let go and move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's just because it's time for a fresh perspective and, and you know, your time of stewardship is old. And that's okay. It's not a failure. It's uh, part of the reality of how you uh, work and do things. You know, I, I spent almost 38 years in healthcare. I was an engineer for five years before that. And I think my engineering background helped me relate to physicians uh, uh, much better than some of my colleagues uh, Mm -hmm. did. And I think that that point of view helped uh, develop my credibility with physician leaders. And I think that was an important part of me, which is I didn't look at physicians as and nurses and other health professionals as just people that corral and try to move in one direction. I looked at the colleagues that uh, I wanted to understand their business and I wanted them to understand our business um, as an organization uh, with the same veracity. Right. And that I think helped develop credibility with uh, key leaders and uh, key influencers in healthcare. I sense too uh, you leave your ego at the door, if you will, and uh, with a humble approach to your to your work, uh, bringing the team in to allow them to to lead and uh, taking all their information participatory. The best thing you can do with your career is ask someone for help. Yep. If you're asking people to help you, they will go the extra mile. It's unbelievable what people will do when you just try to bulldoze people and bully them is a recipe for failure in my view. I know we were talking about some of the restructuring that was going on in, in healthcare and you made a comment to me. You said, Don, you know, the company's never gonna love you, but the people you work with will always love you. So just take care of the people. That's right. And yeah. it has served me well throughout my career. I've made some wonderful friendships and relationships and uh, um, you know the the key and you know this as having been a vendor is, you know, your ideas, 
vendors are not the enemy. The doctors are not the enemies. Other healthcare systems are not the enemies. You don't want to leave people bloodied on the street because they'll come back and get you. Yeah. Um, what you want to do is get people to understand your challenges, to understand what you're trying to accomplish and feel like they want to partner with you in accomplishing that. Um, it's hugely important on the technology side of it. I was just on a call. I do a little bit of ad hoc consulting for a group out of New York, and I was talking to some analysts in uh, London about the recent uh, Siemens Healthineers uh, variant merger mm-hmm. and said, you know, what's really fantastic about this is it brings together, you know, vertically integrated technologies and data systems in a way that allows for a stronger relationship to be built with a healthcare system. And it's just not about, hey, I'm going to buy a market share and I'm now going to be a dominant player in radiation oncology. No, you're actually bringing the integration of diagnostic and therapeutic treatment information and data all under one roof, which is hugely important to someone that's trying to take complexity out of the system, improve value and uh, the patient experience. Well, you've had... um You've had a chance throughout your career to see some of the challenges that um, healthcare is experiencing. You know, you couple that now with COVID, um, perhaps some future government regulation that's going to be coming down the pike. And then you, as you just indicated, some of the complexities of information and data, um, trying to bring that all together. As you, as you look as you look upon healthcare today, what what are the biggest challenges that you see today that need to be uh, a solution needs to be found to to help uh, help break it through yeah there's there's so many <laughs> but um, I'd say from my perspective having been in healthcare operations primarily most of my career um, I think service integration is a continues to be a real challenge there's too much fragmentation in healthcare too much my responsibility stops here. You got to go there for the next stage of, of your care. We really need to take more complete responsibility for the patient uh, experience. And I think as systems take more risk, that's going to be a lot easier for them to uh, um, to bite off. Um, there, again, an evergreen challenge, especially as there's um, the complexity of treatments and increases is um, preventing medical errors is a evergreen challenge in the industry Um, and it's complicated by the fact that we are overloaded with the fantastic medical information there's just too much data almost to process and so managing that excuse me that uh, medical information is very very uh, important and the sort of the overarching backdrop on all of this is everything needs to cost less. Um, the cost of care is prohibitively expensive for the outcomes that we're getting. I don't remember the exact uh, numbers, but our outcomes are somewhere in the 50th, 60th in the world, and our costs are the highest by order of magnitude or two or three or four times. What do you attribute um, that to? Do you feel that um, that there is a you know, a target there that should be looked at to help bring that down as insurance or is it something else? Well, part of it is the structure of business in this country with 
um, the um, payment systems being so obscure that the again I think as systems take more responsibility meaning risk um, that's going to be easier for them to negotiate um, with various vendors and suppliers pharmaceutical suppliers equipment suppliers um, supply companies because that risk is being held within the health provider system these days in the past it, it was just too diffuse insurance companies held part of the risk patients held part of the risk providers held part of the risk um, and so there's no real responsibility for um, managing costs um, and as a result, the entrepreneurial zeal of Americans allowed everyone and their brother to figure out a way to make money um, out of this hodgepodge. I think the payment systems got to change. Um, I'm not necessarily an advocate for a single payer system, but what we have now is absurd uh, and lends itself to all manner of price gouging and shenanigans. Boy, don't Thank you, you don't you know that as you get older? I'll tell you the uh, work you yeah. have to do on any medical bill that comes through and trying to make ends or meet to it, and also ensure that I, it's accurate. In the last couple of years of my parents' life, they were in a nursing home in Florida, and you know there were certain regulations that had if you fell twice within a certain amount of period, you had to be transported by ambulance to an inpatient facility for our workup and before they would release you back to the nursing home. I mean, unbelievable amounts of churn and unnecessary steps that were happening because everything was on a, a pay-per-click kind of system. And he, my dad was a retired machinist from General Motors Corporation back in the days when they had first dollar coverage on everything. And so, the uh, providers would salivate when they see them come through the door because they got paid for everything yeah. under the sun. Um, those days are over and they have to be over. And I think people have to be more cognizant and responsible for saying, um, I'm responsible for my own health care and I need to be responsible within a certain dollar limit. Uh, the example I'll use is we all get dental care and we all know how it works. If you want certain things to pay for like preventative care and if you want veneers and you want uh, orthodontics, you know it's going to be out of your pocket. So you make different decisions That's based true. on those economic facts. Mm -hmm. So I think the payment system has got to change for sure. I think some of the uh, patent protections and the drug pricing policies are again a huge impediment uh, going forward. Um, and uh, I think, again, the complexity of healthcare, uh, and this is a challenge we see in startups all the time, which is more information is not always better. Mm -hmm. I remember when the first uh, 250 slice CT scanner came out, and we were scratching our heads saying, what are you going to do with all that information? Unless you have artificial intelligence to help you sort through it um, and focus your attention on the areas of highest uh, probability of concern, you are absolutely buried with information and you don't know what to do with it. So we're upping the complexity without getting the benefit of that complexity. And that's one of the big challenges that we have to manage as a system while we're trying to be innovators. <laughs> right, right. 
And I think there are so many different sectors within the provider market. Let's say that whether it's pharmacy, whether it's radiology, whether it's OR, ICU that have their own separate systems that you're trying to harvest the data from. Um, and each individual company that's offering products in those sectors is trying to help support that, but they don't talk. You know, one, one you, you device know, doesn't talk. Get, I agree with you. You know, the interconnectivity, of, especially of home-based devices, is going to be a huge issue because we're going to manage our health care on our smartphones. And, the, yeah. and they're already doing it, you know, at Scribs in, uh, in California and other places. But you just sort of uh, piqued my uh, memory about another issue that I've talked in the past about, and that is medical education has got to change dramatically, too. Um, and what we have is this old guild system of training healthcare providers that is very um, craft-centric. And so vascular surgeons now feel like they own the endoscopic space and radiologists who have been, uh, interventional radiologists who have been doing this for 40 years are now considered interlopers into the vascular surgeon space because vascular surgery, as we know it, has changed so dramatically that they're looking for another niche that they can control. And so you can be an interventional radiologist and have done 10 years of procedures, but you won't be recognized by a vascular society as having any skills in that arena because their standards are totally different. Um, and again, that leads again to the fragmentation of healthcare and unnecessary duplicate efforts. Um, you know, who does carotid endarterectomies? Is it neurosurgeons? Is it cardiac surgeons? Is it vascular surgeons? Um, is it interventional cardiologists? Is it interventional radiologists? Uh, all of these um, systems um, need to sort of get out of their guild mentality and try to come together and think about the totality of healthcare as it's experienced by an individual patient if we're really going to move ourselves forward and get away from this fragmentation. That, that's going to be a heavy lift, Ron. It is a heavy lift, and I think that we really need to do a lot more with the schools in that regard because, again, we continue to churn people out of the schools in these antiquated models of healthcare. And, mm -hmm. and then systems are trying to take these raw materials, these physicians and these nurses who have been trained to create these guilds and say, no, you're now part of a system of care. You can't operate in this vacuum. Yeah, I think you're it's right. A, it's a big challenge. No, and it's an interesting way to begin to address it though with education at the beginning. I, um, yep. I'm looking at uh, our time together, and as we wind down the clock, I, I do want to ask you a question about, you know, you've had uh, both the provider experience and now the startup experience. You know, there's a lot of folks out there that are, are looking for opportunities within the healthcare sector. And from your perspective, where where do you feel the openings are, and what would you, uh, what would you suggest to uh, young recruits looking for healthcare opportunities? You know, I had the good fortune of moving from an industrial engineering background into healthcare, and I thought it was a perfect venue. And, I, and when I was at UW Health, we established a very strong relationship with the program at University of Wisconsin, because I do think that's a, a great pathway into healthcare, because you do systems thinking, you understand how uh, the correlation between complexity and outcomes um, so I'm a, a big fan of, of, of people heading down those pathways. 
uh, I'm a, a little bit of a skeptic of uh, people coming out of MHA, MBA programs that suddenly want to be directors or vice presidents. I think that there's something to be said about cutting your teeth, you know, in the trenches and doing line management, and line uh, responsibilities. It's one of those things that you can never go back and recapture if, if you don't do it early in your career and you don't do it, you know. I remember when I was an engineering student, I was a cooperative student at a place called General Motors Institute. It's now called Kettering University. And they assigned you to different jobs every 12 weeks. And you it was everything from working on the assembly line to working in the patent office to doing human resources and engineering styling stuff. And what was great about that opportunity is when you moved up in the management ranks, you kind of understood what happened at the rank and file. And so what I often advise, and I've had a lot of um, interns that work with me, is make sure you get the experience at the level you're at, wherever you're at. Don't be too uh, anxious to move to the next level without really getting very visceral, real experience at the level that you're at. Right. Run a clinic you know, put an information system in, troubleshoot, you know, a, uh, a relationship with a, a vendor. Whatever it is, make sure that you build this portfolio of real experiences because as you progress in your career, you can never really kind of go back and backfill those experiences. And I do think a lot of people are too quick to try to jump levels and move fast through an organization without actually getting the real tangible, gritty experience that they need at whatever level uh, they can get it. Well, no doubt. And as you've talked about, it's a complex healthcare environment. So therefore, the more knowledge you have across these different pieces, I think the more confidence you bring to the next step and frankly, more credibility to the people that you work with. And the credibility is huge. If you can walk in someone's shoes and say, yeah, I, I know what you're, you're doing because I did that. Um, you walk with a different uh, amount of respect than if you just walk through the door and say, oh, yeah, here's a spreadsheet that says that you can do this twice as fast. Right. That, that, that's not meaningful to someone. But I do think that uh, be involved with things that excite you. You know, um, again, a lot of life is not about exciting things and you want to get that visceral experience. But understand that you're building a foundation, and when something is exciting that comes along, be willing to take a leap of faith and go for it. Um, I think that you can't, you shouldn't be too careful. You need to do what you're doing at the time you're doing it, but you also need to be willing to take a jump if a real opportunity presents itself. No doubt. No doubt. Very thoughtful words. Um, yeah. Well, Rand, well, well, thank you. Um, well, it's been my pleasure, Don, and it's always fun to sort of uh, catch up. And, you know, it's interesting how much these challenges, they evolve, but they don't go away. Yeah. They're kind of evergreen challenges, and they have different nuances to them. But um, it's still all about uh, delivering on the promises of integrated health care in a way that people can afford it and understand it. Right. Well, we still have a lot of work to do on that, but... Um, I think that uh, we're on the right path, um, but it's, like I said before, it's a heavy lift, but it's got to get done. And it's such an important component of everybody's well-being. And if we don't take care of it or at least try to diminish some of the problems, 
uh, we all experience it as we get older. So, um, Ron, again, I want to thank you for, for all of your time. It's, it's always a pleasure speaking with you and, um, uh, we look forward to, uh, perhaps being able to do it again in the future. Yeah, that would be fun. I appreciate it. Thanks again, Don, and uh, always willing to help. Thank you, Ron. And that concludes our interview with Ron Slowinski, Senior Advisor to Venture Investors Group. And we look forward to having you back on to our healthcare podcast. Thanks for joining us.